Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Um, I just realized my Fox Sports stream of the World Series is about two minutes behind, and Bennett broke the news to me that Rendon didn't homer. Um, he walked, and Soto grounded out to second, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, you're struggling a bit there. I, <laughs> I did the Reddit stream, which was faster than your Fox Sports stream, but it worked out. And we have a special guest tonight. Yes, we're going to add applause in here for a big-time special guest. you want to go ahead and announce it, uh, Bennett? Yes, we have Brian Shore with us tonight. So, Brian, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for adding in the, uh, the applause, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're excited to talk JMU football a little bit, and we'll get into some deeper stuff about this team and then also sort of your experiences in the playoffs and what it what it takes for a team to have a deep, playoff run and then i know jack has some exciting questions about officiating and, and how players deal with officiating <laughs> things like that <laughs> all right that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start i guess have you had a chance to watch the team much this year yeah yeah I, I, so i think i've watched every game except um i was flying to california for like one of the games i think it was like three weeks ago and i it it matched up like right with my flight so i missed it but i think i've seen all the other games besides that one Awesome. And what have you seen from the team this year? Obviously, they're they're ranked in the top two. Do you think this team sort of seems like one of those championship caliber teams that you played on? I think it kind of does. Um, I think one thing when I watch them and you immediately notice it is the weapons on offense. Um, you know, I, I said to a couple guys, it reminds me of 2016, where it's just, you know, anybody can get the ball and, you know, anyone that touches it can, you know, take it to the house. You know, we had Donald Taylor and Rav and, and Richard. Uh, Jonathan Clues from out there. It was kind of just like 
you know, whoever gets it, you know, there's just so many opportunities for big plays out there. And um, I think this relates well to our 2016 team. Yeah, I know we talked about, Jack and I have talked about the 2016 team a lot and sort of how you would seem like every time you threw a deep pass, Ravenel or, <laughs> or Damo or somebody came down with it. What was, what was it like for you to have those weapons in 2016 and how confident did you feel sort of in the postseason at the end of the year just firing passes up to receivers downfield? Um, for one thing, it was awesome. I mean, to, to be the quarterback <laughs> and have guys like that, like it's, uh, that's just how you draw it out. That, that shit's fun, man. But uh, I think, um, you know, the one thing with that is it doesn't come like right away. And I think one thing with like Ben Riley and, you know, Brandon Polk, those guys out there now, Kendall Dean, as you see um, just that chemistry and how much fun they're having out there. I mean, I know, you know, you watch Ben, he has fun on, you know, a handoff, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, you can just see, you know, they score a touchdown. He's one of the first guys down there. And once you kind of start building that, that chemistry, that, you know, relationship, um, you can get really, really confident in throwing the ball up and, and someone coming down with it. And in ways it's a lot like, you know, having a good friendship with a receiver and you can see that Ben and those guys were really close and, when you have that, it, you know, it adds another thing to your game that, you know, you make those 50, 50 balls become, you know, 60, 40, and then 70, 30 and, and higher and higher as you go into playoffs and they can really pay off for you. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Riley and Riley's a guy that's, that's done a lot of really good things this year. It seems like he's been there for like eight years. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like every playoff run, there's, there's like a <laughs> Riley Stapleton highlight and stuff like that. What was your connection with him like? And, have you seen, I know you mentioned it a little bit, but have you seen sort of Ben and Riley develop a, a similar connection to what you and Riley had maybe in 2017? Yeah, I think I definitely see something, you know, similar between the two of us. Um, I think, you know, I think Ben's thrown it to Riley with a lot of confidence. And I think, you know, in the last game you saw that, you know, this combat catches and stuff. And he, he's really starting to, you know, come on again and, and becoming that kind of late season Riley that we've seen in the past. Uh, with him and I, you know, we had, you know, we just had similar stories going into college. Um you know, both Pennsylvania guys, but when we both first got to school, um, you know, we struggled a little bit. Um, I've told, you know, people in the past that, you know, if you could look at, you know, who I was my junior and senior year and, uh, you know, go back in time and tell our offense that that's who I would be, they would, they would laugh at you. Like they would, they would <laughs> I know, you know, Mitch Kirsch, Domo Taylor, they'd be like, no, there's no way in hell that Shore's going to be your starting quarterback. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash Riley too bad, but. You know, he was just struggling like his his freshman and, and sophomore year at the beginning a little bit. Um, but something I related to him really well with, he just, you know, he is just the hardest working guy in the room. And I, you know, had a lot of confidence in him because, you know, he dropped the ball at practice and you can see how much it meant to him that, you know, he was really pissed off and that, you know, that's something that he cared a lot about. And so you'd see him, you know, hang out late or, or get in somewhere early, get more catches in, like, you know, do what he could just to kind of will himself into being a better football player. And, um, I mean, as a quarterback, when you're, you know, you're throwing, you know, late game balls or important catches or important passes that need to be caught, um, and you, you kind of gain that confidence because you know that that guy's going to give you everything he has anytime you put the ball up in the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested that you, that you said that you weren't, I guess, thriving maybe your first couple of years there because toward the end of the, your career, obviously, you're putting up all the, the passing records and all the, different accolades and things like that. I mean, did you think that after maybe a rocky freshman and sophomore year that you would get to the point that you ended up getting to? Oh, no way. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping I'd still be on the team for a little while. It was like, I, 
people I, I swear people don't really like believe it in the way that it was it was that bad but I like it was almost like I was throwing left handed or something like I just couldn't get right <laughs> for the longest time but I don't know I mean that's there's always the adjustment period and I think for quarterbacks it comes probably more drastically than anybody else you know once you get into an offense and it starts to slow down for you and um, you can get your confidence because it, it takes a while to get confidence as a quarterback, just you know, learning a new system, getting into, you know, letting wide receivers learn how you like to throw the ball and then, you know, being able to put it where they like it as well. And you can definitely make a big, uh, a big improvement on your game because there's, there's no doubt I was real bad for a little while there. <laughs> I feel like I'm hogging all the questions, Jack. I'll let you take over for a little bit. Well, Brian, you kind of touched on the, this team reminding you of the 2016 national championship run. We kind of, me and Bennett talked about, how a couple of these games this season have been almost similar to the 2016 games. Is there anything in particular that you've seen this team do that you think is reminiscent of 2016 in particular, maybe like that defensive line has just been dominant or anything like that? Um, Well, I would say definitely the defensive line does remind me in ways just because of like you see Doc and Rondell on the edge and then, you know, the interior guys, too. Just, I mean, last game, like, Daka and Rondell just had a day. And it was just, <laughs> like, I felt bad for Flacco in ways. It was just like, dude, what do you do? Like, <laughs> there's no way that that guy's going to get to an out route before Daka gets to you. Like, he just, there's no one can run faster than that. But um, I think one thing I've probably realized is, um, you know, in our 2016 season, we had, you know, a bunch of games early on that were super close. And they, like, they forced you to play big in big moments. And, um, you know, I think a lot of fans will watch, you know, oh, we went into overtime with Stony Brook or, you know, we had to get one out with Villanova and they're like, oh, we want to blow out everybody. And the thing is, like, you do not become, you know, a good playoff team or, you know, a championship level team by playing blowout games. Like the reason we were so good uh, my junior year and senior is we played so many close games that, you know, prepare you for later on this season. You know, we went down to the wire with Richmond and um who else? New Hampshire. Um, my senior, junior or senior year, we played close to like William and Mary, who we thought we were so much better than. But that's product of the CAA. But it's also like it's a good thing going forward because you know they're going to have that experience that you know you get later on in the season, and like you know you've been there before, you're fine. Like it's not going to be like oh now we have to perform. It's no, you've done it all year, so just go do what you've been doing, and that that really is what prepares you for postseason play. Yeah, is there was there ever a game? that you guys went into that because the CAA is just so like beating up on themselves and there's a good team every week. It seems like there's a good team, but is there ever, was there ever a CAA game that you kind of went into thinking that this is a game we have, this is a game we should win by three scores, four scores. Um, yeah, I mean, there definitely was, (laughs) I don't know if I want to say like their names out there, but um, you don't have to list the teams and coaches that that are uh, north of Harrisonburg, more in the New York areas and Rhode Island areas a little bit. But the thing, the thing is though, it's like, you always, you, you always think there's those teams, but every year the dynamic changes so much that you, you can't really like, Imagine, like you can't really prepare for that because like okay look at Rhode Island we played them my junior year and we blew them out and then they change a whole staff and then we, I think we only beat them by like two three scores my senior year and then you know Elon coach Signetti goes there and then you know they're 
competing for a, a CAA championship the next year. Just you can, if you ever think that way, uh, you're not going to be successful going forward. So we kind of just knew that we were going to get everyone's best shot and uh, tried to think, you know, not think about, you know, we have a chance to blow anybody out or anything. Yeah. That makes sense. That <laughs> makes sense. And what's, so what's the difference between Brian Shore, the player and sort of how you prepare for a week. And then maybe this season where you're watching on TV, are you, are you going crazy at the TV screen or are you more of sort of analyzing what's going on? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both. I mean, there's always times where, um, you know, I'm going a little crazy and then, you know, saying things that I think or, or that, but, um, they're always, they're always positive, by the way, I'll put that out there. Um, <laughs> but I think one thing is after you play college ball, it, it gets harder to watch just football in general, whether it's NFL college or even high school. And I, I heard this a lot going in from my coaches that like, Oh, you can't watch a game without scheming it. And now that's kind of how I see it as well. Um, I know I kind of see it differently than when I watch it with my buddies who didn't play in college or, you know, didn't play high school ball. Cause I'm thinking like, okay, I see safety rotation. Like it looks like we're getting man coverage or blitzing off the edge. Like I see those things versus like, Oh man, this, you know, big meatheads catching the ball, trying to run over another guy. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to watch and, you know, sit back and kind of watch the games without, you know, having to prepare for them as much. Uh, I know um, I'm a lot more like <laughs> laid back and stuff than I would be if I was preparing for games. I know, mm-hmm. you know, going through JMU, I love to just like block out all the media and, and all that stuff going in. Cause it gets so easy to just, you know, listen to how good everyone's will say you're doing. And then it also gets easy to listen to how bad everyone's saying you're doing. So for me, I always just found it most effective just, hey, like, I'm just going to do my thing and I'll read what everybody says, you know, at the end of the season. That also makes sense. <laughs> and then switching switching gears a little bit back to the 2016 season, I think a lot of people – that was the year, right, you got hurt against Villanova? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I feel like people almost, like, forget that that happened. What was that process like? Because I feel like you didn't – miss much time so i mean how how hurt were you if you're allowed to say and then how did you come back so quickly oh i mean i could say it now um i couldn't say it you didn't like people telling people then but uh i broke my collarbone in that game my uh my left collarbone um it was crazy i had like a so games in pennsylvania where i'm from and Mm -hmm. i've got like a hundred people in the stands just like my hometown my old like high school coaches neighbors friends family um and yeah i got tackled from behind and i uh i broke my collarbone pretty good i uh i stayed in i had i handed off the next play thinking i had like a stinger or an ac sprain or something and and doula like grabbed my hand as you grabbed the ball and like moved my left shoulder i could feel like my bones clicking together and i was like oh Oh. so i came to the sideline they thought it might be an ac sprain we get back to the locker room to um you know kind of diagnose it more I'm struggling to take my shoulder pads off. And the doctor's like, like, what, what do you need? Like help or something? Like acting like I was, you know, soft. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't know. This thing hurts, man. So we get it off and he like puts his hand on my shoulder again. He's like, oh no, that's broken for sure. I was like, oh, sick. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I mean, I know I was pissed off for a little while just because I felt like it was like so reminiscent of like, we had a really good team again. And, you know, the year before bad breaks his foot right before playoffs. Right. And oh, great. I'm, breaking my collarbone i'm gonna be out for the year and um on the way back um i know that the uh the doctor had told me like you know there was some case where someone played three weeks after breaking it and you know maybe that'll be a, a shot we don't know it's after surgery and i kind of just was like all right i'm gonna play in three weeks like we'll figure this out i'll play 
Granted, I had to drive all the way back from Villanova to JMU with a broken collarbone on the bus. And if you know anything about Pennsylvania roads, they have so many potholes. <laughs> yeah. Hitting every pothole, my bones are just like smacking on each other. But um, I think I – so I got it put back together on Monday. Um, and then I was – I think I was throwing like like in, like four or five days later. I was able to like – you know, it was my left collarbone, so I could still throw with my right arm. Um and then we so we had our last game of the season versus Elon at the time, cold played. Um and then we had a bye week and I was able to throw all bye week. I remember Coach Houston had like tweeted a picture of me throwing the ball just to like, you know, stir things up. But I don't know if anyone on the team really thought that I was gonna play. And I was like, No, I'm playing and they, I think it was kinda like, Yeah, like sure. I remember like Curtis <laughs> Curtis was like, You playing? I was like, Yeah, he's like all right, like, sure. <laughs> but we get back in to play New Hampshire, and I walk out on the field. This is the one thing that kind of annoyed me that we didn't tell anyone that I broke my collarbone was I got out there, and the ref's like, oh, like, so what happened? You got, like, a stinger or something? I was like, oh, no, it wasn't a stinger. And I just, like, kept walking. I was like, man, like, it, you guys really think I had a stinger and was out for, like, three weeks? I was like, I was out, you know, getting surgery. I have a huge scar on my shoulder and, like, you know, 15, 20 stitches. But I don't know. We ended up putting a plate in it and then, like, 10 or 11 screws. And um, the doctor was on the sideline, and he told me right before the game, like, hey, don't take any hits. And I was like, what do you What do you mean I'm taking any hits? He's like, oh, oh. He's like, it's, you know, it's together, but it's not, like, healed. If you take it, I was like, you're going to tell me that now? I try to take less hits but I don't know it it hurt a little bit less each week and I mean it's a cool story to tell I always tell my friends you know back home I'm like I always wanted a chance to like play hurt like it's just for me I always thought that was like kind of cool you know I grew up watching you know Favre and Roethlisberger mm-hmm. and those guys and it's like to kind of you know play big and like fight through injuries I always thought it was kind of cool so gave me a cool story um yeah Fun, fun to tell to my you know kids, grandkids later on in life. That's Man, wild. That That's sounds really cool. so painful. Yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hurt for sure. Oh, jeez. And you, you mentioned the injury to Vad in, in 2015, and how it's sort of like a similar storyline. When Vad gets hurt, it's college game days. There, that's like the most packed I've ever seen. Bridge Fourth is that kind of like an oh shit moment? when he gets hurt and you're coming in or, or how did you react to that? Um, you know, what's funny was when I was a freshman in high school, uh, opening night, I was the backup. Um, our senior was like an all conference guy. He was really good athlete. He tore his ACL on the very first night. And so I was, I think 14 going into the game. And I remember like, wow. my dad, my dad tells me like, he's like, I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I like went, I went to like, take like a drop to warm up or something and like my shoe flew off and my dad was like yeah when i saw you warming up and like your shoes are falling off i was like oh shit like we're here we go but yeah i mean the thing about those moments is you it's almost like you don't have that much time to think and uh, i've always been good at like just coming into moments just playing and like where you don't have to think about it. you can't really stress you're kind of just you're thrown in there and it's like, all right, here you go. And for me, like I said, like I wasn't, I wasn't playing well my freshman and sophomore year. So it was almost good for me to like to be thrown into the fire and, and have an opportunity to play like meaningful football. 
And, you know, I ended up throwing a couple touchdowns that game, going into um, William Mary the next week and playing well. Um, so it was good for me to kind of like show that I can play in games when I, you know, I wasn't really playing too great in practice. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And what was, what was the difference? Like, I guess, transitioning from um, Withers and that offensive scheme to then Houston and sort of the things that Kirkpatrick and company did offensively. Um, so it really, it really wasn't too different. Um, mm-hmm. the great thing about coach Kirkpatrick was he came into an offense that like, you know, we, we had terminology and, and different things and um, he kept a lot of it. He added in, you know, new pass plays and stuff like that. And so the passing game changed a lot, but we were able to keep most of the running game because we still had coach Powell who was coaching the offensive line. So a lot of our running game stayed, a lot of our terminology stayed for our, our running and our play action. And then we changed up some of our concepts, but the thing is about college football is a lot of the concepts are very similar. I mean, when you run all go, they all, you know, they run deep. It's not, you know, it's not too challenging, but um, so it was an adjustment period for sure. It was an interesting spring, uh, especially because we were doing like morning practices too, that none of us were used to and wasn't what coach Houston necessarily wanted to do. Um, but I, I think the, the, you know, most interesting part was just kind of getting that feel for a new coordinator and what he liked to run and, and kind of just like feeling, you know, picking his brain and seeing, you know, his different matchups, what he liked, and, and kind of just, you know, getting a feel for him for the season. Interesting. No, that's yeah. cool that, it's, that, was, that it was sort of similar and you guys didn't didn't change too much. That's definitely something that's interesting that I did not know. All right, we've yeah. got a few minutes left before we hit 30 minutes. Jack, I feel like we got to dive into the officiating topic. I have a question before officiating yes, go. that just Shoot. hit me. So we, as as – just layman fans, me and Bennett, we're watching this 20, what, 2019 team. And there's a question mark we bring up every week. It feels like we're talking about it on this podcast every week. And it's, and it's the secondary kind of having their struggles. And you mentioned you kind of look at the game from a different, different set of eyes than what Ben and I are looking at the game at. Have you, what is it with this JMU secondary this year that might be different from other years where, Maybe not they're struggling, but it just seems like something isn't clicking back there. Are we just not seeing the full picture? Or is there something more under the surface that you've kind of keyed in on watching these games? Um, I think for the most part, one thing is, um, you know, I haven't watched too much of the secondary, but I say typically um, we run, you know, a lot of man coverage and, um, you know, because we bring guys and we, we know that you know, we're going to get there with the defensive line. And, you know, it, the thing is it puts them in, in difficult situations, you know, playing one-on-one man coverage with athletes in the CAA is tough. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably why there's been, you know, certain, you know, big plays or anything like that. Um, but that's another thing, you know, going forward, as long as you're winning, you can tweak those things and fix those things. Um, but I think overall is when you've got guys like, you know, DACA and, and Rondell, you know, getting to the quarterback so fast is, you know, that's when you play man coverage because, you know, if you can just make make it really hard for guys to throw the ball and not give them, like, easy zone, you know, comebacks and, and stop routes and stuff like that, it's what puts the pressure on the quarterback every single play. So I think, you know, different mentalities than when I, when I was there. Um, you know, obviously there's, you know, different defensive coordinators, and I think they're probably saying for the most part, you know, we're going to get to your quarterback, and, you know, if you – you know, if you hit a, a big player every once in a while, you know, 
that'll be okay because you know what we're gonna get to you and we're gonna hurt you guys a lot more like a lot more often than you're gonna hurt us yeah that makes sense I mean and it's clearly happened these last couple of weeks I feel like Rondell and Docker in the backfield in one second and just it seemed like they lived in Flacco's like back pocket it was crazy yeah the but, thing is I mean like for a quarterback is like you can you know you'll make a couple of plays and I feel like for the most part they've been like early on that you know bigger plays yeah. are, are happening it's like, okay you can have one or two big plays early on but you're gonna have to do that every single play and you're gonna get hit <laughs> by Daka Rondell um you know Mike Green those guys almost every you know every down yeah so that bring not brings us just now completely different subject not really talking about teams at all we when you're in the middle of a game and a questionable call doesn't go your way, maybe not even questionable, maybe just a flat out bad call. What is it in the huddle that you guys are saying to kind of, or does it even affect you at all if, if just a outrageously bad call occurs in a game? I think you have to just not let it affect you at all. Is um, you know, the one thing that you always talk about with playing football is you just, you know, you have to react to what's thrown your way, you know, I think you probably hear everyone say is control what you can control. And that is really just where that comes into play. Like you're, you're going to get bad officiating every once in a while. It's going to happen, you know? And the thing is, it's going to happen against you a lot, but it's also going to happen for you. So the thing is like that stuff seems to work itself out and you can't really, you know, worry about it. It's like when a, a, you know, a quarterback throws a ball and it gets tipped and then picked off by somebody and you're like, Oh, it shouldn't count as interception. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to throw a ball one time, and it's going to hit the DB right in the face, and he's going to drop it. And so, like, in the same way, like, those things figure themselves out, and you just kind of can't really worry about them. You just have to figure out, like, all right, what are we going to do next? If, he, if they botch a call and then, it's you know, it's third and 13, then you have to figure out how you're going to get third and 13. You can't sit there and think about, okay, well, they screwed it up. You know, what, how does that help you get the first down? It doesn't. Yeah, I guess that's more of a fan thing as we sit at home. Yeah, finding <laughs> yeah. something to yell about at the TV. Oh, I definitely understand that. Just watching the NFL the last couple of weeks, like even like week <laughs> by week four, I was like, I can't even watch these games. Like there, there's a flag every single play. Yeah, Bennett's a Lions fan, so that Packers Lions yeah. game after Brady cried during the Monday Night Lines. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, it was that a rough was, time. That was the one where I was like, I'm done with this. That <laughs> <laughs> was bad. It was it was rough. And before we let you go, we do have to ask, what have you been up to? What are you doing these days? Because I know I think like every month or so we have like someone in our Twitter mentions that just like asks us out of the blue, like, what's Brian doing? <laughs> so for that for that one person, <laughs> what are you up to these days and, and how is life treating you after graduation? Um, it's going well uh, for starts. So I was uh, I didn't really tell many people, but I was up in Ottawa in the CFL uh, last month. Um, I just kind of kept it quiet. I was. You know, they were mid-season. Um, I was just coming up as their, on their practice squad. I was up there for, like, four weeks, um, you know, training, practicing with them uh, each week. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, I have, you know, I, I can continue to train and then go back up there for camp next year and stuff and see where things go. And, you know, I can keep in conversation with those guys. Um, but I I think I uh, I have a, a job opportunity in, in D.C. with uh, some some guys I know, uh, you know, just started a startup company. Um, I'm going to leave their name out of it right now because I don't have the actual offer or anything yet. Um, but it's <laughs> just something I'm excited about, something I can stick my teeth into, um, kind of dive into marketing and, and a business career a bit more. 
Um, and, you know, I want, down the line one day, you know, I, I might end up in coaching, but, um, you know, I'm kind of trying ways just to, you know, recreate myself and find other things I can, you know, challenge myself at every day. It might not be, <laughs> it might not be playing football anymore, but I want to continue to, uh, just challenge myself and grow as a, as a person, um, you know, going forward. And, uh, so I'm excited to try some new things. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for the update. We, the one anonymous Twitter fan is very <laughs> excited <laughs> to learn what's going on. No, that's really cool. I talked to Vadley a couple months ago and he had talked about some of the different like entrepreneurship stuff he does. And it was kind of fascinating. He does like coaching on the side and then obviously he's doing stuff with JMU in terms of like the team chaplain and then he's got XFL tryouts and all that, all that stuff. So it's kind of interesting to see some of these former quarterbacks doing some different stuff in the business world. Always, always fun to see. Yeah, I think it's important that and I mean, bad talk all the time about, you know, how we see the world and what we want to do. And I think for guys like us, it's just important to get into a, a team environment to where, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just I know for a fact, me and me and bad aren't like compensation driven. And we're not looking for, the, you know, the next money making idea, right. it's more of just being in a team environment where, you know, that, you know, you put all your effort in, you're going to see, you know, you're your rewards and, you know, whether it be, you know, salary, but more of just like your meaningful work is going to be important to you going forward. Awesome. Love to hear that. And uh, you also mentioned that maybe coaching in the future so we can start up the rumor that if Signetti and <laughs> Brian Shore is the next head coach. <laughs> yeah. Rumor yeah. mill now. What is that? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't say no. <laughs> so. Yeah. You guys can start up another uh, website instead of draft. Yeah. Yeah. Com, just uh, hire Brian Shore. <laughs> 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 exactly perfect perfect well thank you so much for joining us on a t- random tuesday night we really appreciate it yeah thank uh, you so no much worries, man I-, I didn't have much else to do so <laughs> i'm happy to be here but you guys did not keep- compete with too much <laughs> awesome awesome appreciate it have a good one man all right you too thanks guys thanks so much to brian for joining us i thought that was an awesome conversation jack i don't know about you. yeah that was that was fantastic i mean some of the stuff he gave us like his his collarbone injury, um, you know, him breaking down what this team is like compared to the 2016 team. Um, he didn't go as much into CKA refs as I was really hoping. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to chalk it up as his talk about NFL refs was CAA refs. But, I mean, I think the, my favorite answer of his was the secondary. Um, it's kind of something we've been talking about throughout the podcasts. I mean, we, we say they love to bring the pressure. And I think we, what we've seen in the last couple of weeks and what the last five quarters of play is that the D line and the pressure's finally been getting home, but, and things of all, I mean, everything he said was fantastic. Yeah, it really was. And I think that point too, where it, they have given up some early plays and games. Yeah. And then the idea that, you know, just over four quarters of the defensive line continually just beating, beating you up, up your offensive yeah. line and beating up the quarterback, it just sort of wears on you and I think the only team that was able to sort of withstand that was Stony Brook um and even then you know Jamie ends up winning it no T it's on the road it's kind of a weird spot there yeah. you look at like Villanova faded really hard in the fourth quarter so I think hard. that's that's something that that maybe we've sort of glossed over is the fact that you know Rondell Carter and John Daka smacking you consistently for 60 minutes kind of sucks <laughs> so I think that it it definitely wears on teams yeah and I was that was a good point that he brought up I really I was watching uh, someone posted a video of Daka coming off the edge Mm -hmm. and his speed off of the edge is scary. The ball was snapped and the offensive lineman 
by the time he had kind of opened up to engage the block and taken this kind of half step back, Daka was already two, three steps and going around him. I was like, that's that's not fair. I mean, he's just incredibly fast, and he's I think his strength is certainly underrated, like the ability for him to really blow through people and, and get off blocks with that speed. Yeah. It's a frightening – it's like an ideal next-level kind of outside linebacker edge rusher. Yeah feel and the fact that he's going up against some guys that, that probably won't be playing on Sundays <laughs> it uh it helps a little bit yeah it does so we didn't really get to talk too much about this Towson game so let's jump into that real quick and then go into our yeah. CAA pick them what'd you see in the Towson game I think it was kind of shocking to me that the teams combined for three second half points <laughs> right well I mean that was just <laughs> going into this game if someone had told me that I could bet like my entire life savings. Granted, it's not all that much, but if I could bet my so entire life savings uh-huh. that like, right, the teams who score more than three combined second half points, I would take whatever odds yeah. they were giving me. Just, I mean, I was I was surprised by it, but also overall, I think it's a good defensive showing by JMU to hold Towson to ten points. I thought Danucci was fine, Percy was great, and Brandon Polk has continued to be an absolute revelation. Yeah, you know who else was really amazing. Latrell Palmer. He was good in his limited carries. <laughs> but he was. Yeah, Percy was great. I so two takeaways from that game. That was my first game as a fan. Like as you were a there, true yes. fan. Like I had been in a marching band my my freshman year at JMU, and then I worked with athletic communications in the press box for my next three years. I didn't even process that. Wow. Yeah, so I was never really a true like that's insane. I never had I had gone to one game as a quote unquote fan with my mom. Wow. Sitting in what like was that? junior year against Maine. It was the first time Lobster won. And I got lobster rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Love how that's the first thought. But, but like I was with my mom. So like I wasn't drinking heavily before the game. Not saying I did that this time. Of course not. But like it wasn't like a true fan and student experience. So now going back, I have two takeaways from my fan experience. One, you miss a whole lot in the game as a fan like yeah you're not like you get caught up in a quick side conversation with the person next to you and the next thing you know jmu's punting the ball away and you're just like how did that happen or you look down and all of a sudden jmu has the ball back and you're like wait 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 wait." so that and then also i don't know how students do that for four years every saturday because man it it hurt at about at about a (laughs) seven or eight p.m my head was hurting yeah, it can wear on you, <laughs> the heavy alcohol and then just being outside. No, it's it's exhausting. I remember I was in the press box for the Sam Houston State game, and everyone else after that was like, oh, man, it was tough with the cold and stuff. And I'm just, like, inside eating, like, giant brownies <laughs> that they brought us for, like, the playoff yeah, the game. Hot like, yeah, yeah, and it's cold. Uh, and you're like, man, I can't – the barbecue. Man, what was your favorite press box food? Yo, I could go on about press box food – for like hours, the stuff that I had at Louisville this last weekend covering UVA football. Oh. Good lord! But I, um, but JMU strictly your time as JMU. A Anytime they would do like the, I don't know, like barbecue sandwich Thank where you God. can kind of make Thank your God own. Thank God you said that. Oh that my was God. like a very safe. It doesn't take too long to eat. It's very good. Yeah. It fills you up enough, but I don't feel like ill during the game. Those were those were ideal. Yeah, I think definitely pulled pork was my favorite, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. My least favorite were probably the chicken tenders when they were like the crisp, like mm-hmm. dry chicken tenders. 
Look at us <laughs> right. complaining about the free food that we got. Yeah. Like, all you can eat. And everyone else is like, I had to pay $7 for a beer and $5 for a hot dog. Yeah, uh, press box food. And they would really go all out in the playoffs. Like, oh, people man. don't understand. Well, did you, the, they would bring in those paw brownies. You know who, who made the menus for um, playoffs a couple times? No. Us student workers. Nice. Be, you guys killed they'd it. They'd be like... As a kind of a thank you for working all of these games this season, you guys get to pick what food you want. And I'm like, wow, this is a lot of power. Like, we could single-handedly ruin the media's day if we really wanted to. Yeah, you could be like, (laughs) cereal. We're having cereal. (laughs) But we're (laughs) also like, why are there Honey Nut Cheerios in the press box? Oh, one last question I have for Towson. The Towson, from the Towson game. I think we've covered everything else from food to fan experience yes yes which buying beer in bridge four is awesome what did you get um so my first one my friend bought it for me it was miller light nice um my second one was vienna lager classic yeah it was it was good i almost got bold rock but i was like i don't really want to mix cider and beer because i've also had champagne today it it was it was a day (laughs) um red zone is the red zone a real problem for this dukes team or is it just is it just the way things have gone? I don't think it's too bad. I feel like it's getting better because Stapleton seems like he's becoming a real touchdown target, which I think helps. And Percy seems like he's maybe taking over like the lead role a little bit. And I think he's probably the best red zone back. So I'm not overly concerned. Um, I think we'll learn more kind of going into the playoffs. I think New Hampshire will bring a little bit of a test and Richmond's actually a little better than people think. And Richmond's a good team. Yeah. And then you look on the road at Rhode Island. I mean, none of these games, I mean, I don't think Jamie will lose any of them, but I do think yeah. they're maybe better tests than we've yeah. been thinking. Rhode Island won't be. They're, they're bad. But, I, hey, it's, you got to go all the way up to Rhode Island, which <laughs> Woo! I, I don't think is all that hard. But, <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens with those. I think that we'll learn more about the red zone offense a little bit there. And then as we get into the playoffs, I think then maybe we can kind of see if it is an issue. But I've been – pretty pleased overall from what I've seen with the offense. What about you? Yeah, I love this offense. I think, I think this is kind of the offense we were all begging for last, last season when we were like, open up the playbook, pass more, um, <laughs> yeah. which I, that is still the best request ever. Just open it up. Like it's like clothes or something. It's like stuck down with glue or something. Open the playbook. I was talking to someone this weekend at homecoming and they're like, yeah, I really just want them to really open up the playbook. They haven't really done half the plays. This season, you know, because they haven't had to. And I looked at them dead in the eyes and I said, you really don't think they've – you think they've just kept the other half of the playbook closed? I was like, you really – really? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, no coach is going to just not use half of the playbook all season. But <laughs> this team – I think this team's really good. Like, Polk is such a dynamic playmaker. And, like – the fact that they have Polk on one side, Stapleton on the other, Kendall Dean in the slot, you have the Ravenel, you have Ravenel, you have Sims, I think has gotten some snaps this season. Just so many lethal weapons. And it's just like, are you going to double team Stapleton and leave Polk to scorch you on a quick slant and get 50 yards after the catch? Right. Or are you going to double Polk and let Stapleton absolutely just moss you all night? Like pick your poison. Then if you're going to, really hunker down on those guys Kendall Dean is going to have himself a day or if you take guys out of the box the running backs are going to run wild like I think this is the most potent offense we've seen um 
the same, if not a little more than the 2016 offense. You did bring up names that I, I forgot about when we were talking to Brian earlier. Yeah. Um, like Damo. I had completely forgotten about Damo. Honestly, I'd forgotten about Richard and Klusterman. Like all of those names. I was just like, wow. <laughs> so every, I was like every player. Yeah, pretty much, except for Ravenel. Um, but yeah, I think this offense is is loaded. I love the play calling. Um, and as of late, they haven't been running the ball too much, and they've had almost the perfect split, in my opinion. Yeah, they've done a better job of sort of finding a balance, which I think is helpful. And they've been creative with with their plays and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're they're holding anything back in terms of <laughs> you know they haven't the really playbook. opened up the the back half. Yeah, of I like I love the idea though that like it's the overtime game against Stony Brook, and like things are really close. And they're they run a play they've like, never running before. Signetti and Shane Montgomery are talking and they're like, do we open this up <laughs> or do we just save this for like the natty? Cause we're going to natty. And they're like, like ah, just, just leave it, leave it closed. Could you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine a coach like turning to his assistant going, did you pack playbook two? The one we haven't opened yeah. all season. Yeah. Do we have like a good place for this one? Or are we still using like our basic stuff? <laughs> just the basics coach. It's early October. Just the well, it was funny because like they were doing it in 2017 with Kirkpatrick. They're like, "Can we open this up?" And it was like they're like in the national championship game in the second half. Like, what do you mean? Can they open it up? Like, there's this is it. These are the halfback dive and fades are all you're gonna get, and a tight end seam off a play action. That was the play. The best, the the best time, the best part most of the time is that it's more just a matter of execution, right? So like players will execute better, and people will be like, "Finally, they opened it up." It's like, and it's like, no, he just ran a really good route that time. <laughs> no, the blocking was just perfect. So a tractor trailer <laughs> right, exactly. could have driven through that hole, not just collided. Right, so right, the offensive lineman just blew people off the ball. And they're like, finally, they opened up the play that says good blocking. They've got a couple that are like, just let him beat you. And we'll see if the running back can make a move. But with our good playbook, we blow everybody off the line. <laughs> Just insane. I love Dan so much. (laughs) That's got to be one of the funniest things. (laughs) It is funny, though, because when they say, like, they don't think of how the idea that there would be almost like this mystical playbook. We always joke it was like under Kirkpatrick's mattress. And he would just (laughs) pull it out one day and be like, oh, that's where I left this thing. That's why my back's been hurting so much. (laughs) It's got all my good plays. It's like one of those massive, like, three ring binders. That's a question we should have asked. Is there a secret playbook? Oh man! But then it wouldn't be a secret anymore, and we we wouldn't be able to joke about it as much. True, true. We are. (laughs) We don't want to reveal it. Okay. Maybe one day. With all of that laughing, I think it might be time for everyone's favorite segment. Are you ready for it? I'm. I have no idea what the games are, so yes, I am pumped. All right. Let's do this thing. Okay. It's time for this week's Weekly Pick'em. Yeah, so this week, man, I can't stop thinking about that playbook joke. That has me dying. Okay, so this week, we have five more conference games. Rhode Island is not playing a conference game. They're playing against Merrimack College. And um, you had a pretty good week last week, Bennett. Did I? Where did I go? I think you went, um, I mean, you the one game that mattered, you beat me in. Stony Brook beat Villanova by one? What the hell? 
So I got. <laughs> you didn't know. Did you Sorry, see that play? Wait, time out. Let's talk about that play. No, what happened? Um, Villanova was up 35 33, I believe. And Tyquil Fields gets the ball at the 50. Holy cow. Did you see it? <laughs> the end of it. Did you watch high? Yeah. Did you click Hold the on. highlight tab? Yeah, here yeah. we go. Okay. 10 seconds. He throws like a Hail Mary. Yeah, to like the two. How do you leave the middle of the field? <laughs> Looking like JMU out there secondary. Oh, they had to spike it. Yeah, but the the clock stops when they move the chains in college. Yeah, true. Otherwise, would have lost. Yeah, crazy game. And look at the clutch make. It was a great game. But yeah, so you, I had, I picked William and Mary. You picked Maine, and that was our only difference last week. That's what I go three and two. Yeah, but we had we both had Elon. We had Delaware, didn't we? We did have Delaware. We also both had Villanova. Okay, so three and two, not bad. Yeah, and I went two and three. Bad. Anytime you can go above 500 in the CAA, as lame as that sounds, I feel like it's actually kind of impressive. Yeah, I was kind of impressed with my um, my record. Even though I was losing to you, I was still impressed with my record going 10 and 11 through all those games. So I was like, that's pretty respectable. CAA is hard to pick. Now I'm 12 and 14 it and yeah. three games behind you. So You're going to make a run here. Yep. We're going in November. This is, this is when I start time. just picking contrarian. <laughs> Every, How many weeks we have? One, we have two. Four. We do the playoffs. We have four, no? and then I think playoffs should be a different thing because I think we should just pick all the playoff games. I actually love that idea. And okay. then that just could be its own little like mini That's podcast true. or whatever. If you guys want that, sweet. Sub- we don't have it. Uh, yeah, subscribe to our uh, Apple Podcast. I forgot we're on that. Yes. Yes. So first game, it's a big one. Villanova. They've lost two straight against New Hampshire at New Hampshire. This one can be seen on TV on NBC Sports of Boston and also flowfootball.com. All right, so the Wildcats against the Wildcats. Who do you got? This is a really good game. Uh, we've actually got a, a solid slate this week where JMU has a bye. Um, Villanova coming off the heartbreaker. New Hampshire coming off the bye week. New Hampshire's at home. I still think Villanova is one of the like eight best teams yeah. in the country. So I'm going to say Villanova rallies and gets this one because I still see them as a seed. Yeah, I wrote in my shameless plug here for a column I'm, I have that's going to become kind of a weekly thing over on Hero Sports. Ooh. Um, mini plug. Every week I kind of try to detangle the the mess that the CAA is and how many teams will make it to the playoffs, all that good stuff. And in that I wrote Villanova is the same team as they were three weeks ago. Yeah, they're 6-2 and two now and not 6-0. and oh. They've had a bye week and two losses, but those two losses were against a last-second miracle of a game in last week against Stony Brook, and then a game where they were winning after three quarters against the number two team in the country. Like Villanova is a good team. They're led by a three-three-five stack that's going to be really hard to game plan against. They're led by an elite quarterback, a CAA elite quarterback, and Daniel Smith. Um, yeah, and with that, I think Villanova pulls this one off. A good pick. You pick Villanova too, right? Yes. Write it down. Okay. Perfect. Delaware. They travel to Towson. Towson looks shaky. They're not good in their last couple of games. However, they're still ranked. Delaware just dropped out of the rankings. This one's in Towson. Who do you got? Delaware kind of alternates good performances with terrible performances, like on a weekly basis. Yeah, they do. They're the most flip floppity team I've ever seen. Like it's they actually flip flop like I th- pretty much every th- week. It's insane. They have only been on a winning streak once this season, and they won two games in a row. Right, it's crazy. And they had one where they were 
they were really struggled. Um, where was it? They, yeah, they barely beat Penn by a point. Yeah. Then the next week, they had Pitt on the ropes on the road, end up losing by three. Like, nuts. Man, the fighting Danny Roccos need to get their stuff together. Then Elon beat the crap out of them. Then they came back and beat New Hampshire. Yeah, like, and then they just lost to Richmond. Like, I mean, it's just crazy. <sighs> so. But that, who do you pick? Didn't give me any explanation. <laughs> I have no Who'd clear. they win last? They lost last week. They lost last week, so. I kind of feel like they're going to flip-flop again. I don't think Towson's that good, to be honest with you. I mean, I know they can score. I just, I don't think Towson's all that great. I feel like Towson's probably the better team. But I like Danny Rocco as a coach. I'm going to say they upset Towson in kind of like an ugly Saturday game that maybe mid-20s or something like that. I'll say Delaware wins. Okay, so Towson, they're the number four ranked scoring offense. And they're the number five ranked scoring defense. Don't know what I was making my point on with that. Hey, both those are respectable. <clears throat> those are middle of the pack. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but I think Towson pulls this one off. I think Towson's still a solid team. Um, the Shane Simpson injury has hurt them a lot more than I thought it were, and I think they're two and four since he went down. That's including the main game since he went down in like the first two minutes. Um, but I think Towson's still a respectable team, and with Tom Flacco. Really, anything can happen. And Delaware is kind of a weird team. Um, I do think they lose two straight. And I don't think Towson gets held down for two straight weeks. I think their offense kind of erupts. I think they might win this one in a 50-40 to 40 type of game because I don't know if their defense can necessarily hold down Delaware. But I have Towson winning this one. I like that. William and Mary. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'd probably be wrong. I'm always wrong. William and Mary, I really thought I had this season. I was like, this season I'm going to destroy him in the CA pick him, and then uh, I'm down three. <laughs> William and Mary travels to Elon. William and Mary, they started the season well, and they were like, uh-oh, is William and Mary good? And then they haven't been. I think they've won one CAA game. No, I don't think they won a single CAA game. Have they really not want to come? As I'm scrolling. Oh, I can just check standings, too. You're right. They don't have any. Yeah. So I won four. they've been kind of close Jeez. in a lot of games, but they haven't won any. Elon, on the other hand, kind of needs a win to uh, keep their playoff hopes alive. Who do you have? Yeah, Elon's scrapping to just be in consideration for the playoffs, and I feel like they're kind of surging up, and I think William & Mary is trending down. It's also at Elon, so I, I think Elon here, and I don't put much thought into it. Yeah, same. Elon wins this. William & Mary had a good start to the season against teams that we thought were good, but then we look back and they're not good teams um, like Colgate. Yeah. William and Mary yep. trending down with Elon kind of trending up after a big time win last week and a bye before that. And a big time win the week before Elon wins. That brings us to Stony Brook. <clears throat> Stony Brook. Wow. That was a boy's crash. <laughs> That was a quick save, though. That was really good. <laughs> Stony Brook, they travel to Richmond. This one's at uh, Robin Stadium. You can hear this one on uh, ESPN 99.5 FM 950 AM or on NBC Sports Washington+. Who do you got? So, like, is Richmond good now? Like, I don't I don't know, you know? I, it's weird because I didn't think they were. They were looking you at called them the one of the worst had... teams in the country at one point. I will pull <laughs> out that audio. 
They had the one awful choke against Yale a couple weekends ago that was kind of humorous. It was so bad. Yeah, I'd never seen a choke. Um, Stony Brook, sometimes they kind of pull some wins out of their rear end, like the Rhode Island one and the Villanova win. Like, those probably should be losses. But they're not. But they're not. So Stony Brook's still right in there. Pretty good team. They could have also beaten JMU, right? You could do the flip-flop the other way. Oh, man. This is a really tough one. I'm going to... Go against my mind, and I'm going to say that Richmond actually wins this one at home. Bold. I'm going to say Stony Brook wins this one. Um, I'm all in on that. So I, I was all in on the undercuffler hype, and now I'm all in <laughs> yeah. on the Stony Brook Tyquell Fields hype. I mean, year in and year out, you look. What is what is Stony Brook? What are the Seawolves? They're a run-the-ball, control-the-trenches, embody Long Island with Chuck Priori. Like, that's what they are. And this year, what are they? They're dynamic. They're fun. They're different. And they're led by Tyquell Fields. Like, this is a good team. This is a team that I think can make a noise in the postseason. Yeah, they lost to JMU. Yeah, they lost to Villa. They didn't lose to Villanova. They should have lost to Villanova. I think Stony Brook goes into Richmond and wins this one handedly. We I shall do. see. And here's the last one. Back this week. I think we're, I, I already know both of our picks on this one. Maine, Albany. Who do you got? Yeah, so Albany's been fairly impressive this year, which is kind of surprising. Maine won last week, but winning at home against William Mary really isn't that impressive. I like the undercuffler. I like Albany playing at home. I think they've got a legitimate chance to be a playoff team. Um, I can't believe I'm picking Richmond and Albany to win games in the same week. <laughs> but um, but I'm doing it. I'm picking – sorry. I'm just going through this in my head. That I'm picking Delaware, Richmond, and Albany to all win games. Ooh. Well, that's I'm going to pick moment. Albany too. I'm a Fingers big crossed. undercuffler guy. Um, he's the king of the check down, but his, his receivers do a lot of work. Um, and is. Maine's not a good team. This is the, this is the game of flip-flop. Yeah. Like, if you look at the standings from last season, Albany was last. Maine was first. Albany's not first right now, but they're right, they're tied for second. The, no, but they're right up there. There's, and Maine is last. So. Yeah. But Albany wins this behind the arm of the undercuffler. And I think Albany's a good team, and I think Albany will make the playoffs. I like it. CA, the CAA right now. Quality teams. Eight of their top nine teams are either ranked or receiving votes. That's wild. That's pretty impressive. Wild. Wild. Yeah, can I come... I only picked one different from you. Two. So I can no, two. get within one if I go perfect this week. You've got Towson. Stony Brook. You've got Towson. Two, I feel got, very uh, confident. What, Stony Brook? All right, cool. I just need that. Well, we shall see. I don't you feel said, all that confident Del- in my picks. But. You pick Villanova, <laughs> Delaware, Elon, Richmond, and Albany. Man, that is a... If you had shown this pick to me four seasons ago, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> Maybe not Richmond. And Villanova would have been good. Delaware was okay. Mainly yeah, I was just looking at Elon. Elon was terrible a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Albany's always been bad. And he got Albany. Okay. Beautiful. Good stuff. Now, the other sports. Yeah, so yeah, very let's rapid fire these Olympic soccer. sports. 
won another CA Player of the Week. I believe that is his fourth, and if I'm not mistaken, they secured the two seed after beating College of Charleston. They're ranked again, I believe, 21st. I've said I believe a lot during this little rundown. Um, and a first-round buy in the tournament. I think if they can win their last game of the season and win a tournament game, I think they're in to NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, being ranked, I think they've got a pretty good shot of making the tournament. Get destroyed, as long yeah. as they don't, you know, completely choke here at the end of the year. So it's it's certainly a different conversation than most JMU teams yeah. where they go into conference tournament needing to win it to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think this team's going to make the NCAA tournament. For a I think while. we'll be talking about them. Um, yeah, you know, they've had a couple fairly deep bosses, in November. I, yeah, I honestly kind of chalk that up to not not um, lack of focus, but maybe a lack of focus. I mean, when maybe you're far, yeah, they're not the one seed, but they're far and away the best team in the CAA. Yeah, what I will say is I think that, and maybe maybe I'm overreacting here, but I feel like going into the year they probably circled Wake Forest. Virginia and like Cal State Fullerton or at least at some point during the year those three ranked teams stood out more they were able to beat number one Wake Forest they beat number 14 Cal State Fullerton and then they had a competitive loss to number one Virginia which so I mean those are the three results that I look at and go all right this is and then a tie at at number 19 Penn State I think those are the three or four results that I'll look at and say all right this is a team that can legitimately legitimately contend for um yeah and I don't think any other CAA team is beating Wake Forest or Cal State Fullerton or competitively losing to UVA or right, tying Penn exactly. State. Like, I feel confident in saying that. Um, something I don't say co- I, I'm not confident in is women's soccer making it to the NCAA tournament. They did win their, se- their senior day match, I believe 3-0, 3-0, excuse me. And their CAA tournament lineup, they uh, face off against number three UNCW. If they win that, they face off with number two Delaware. I think Jamie's a six seed, and I think they just snuck in, so I don't know if they necessarily face Delaware. But they do it weird, so they might actually. Do they have a run in them? Am I crazy for saying? Yeah, that's kind of confusing. You play the three. I feel they two. play. It doesn't th- make any sense. I don't think. Does it? Six. Oh, oh, that's what it'd be. It'd be okay. So it's three versus six, four versus five, and then one and two at buys. So they would play number two. Okay, so that okay, yeah. Yeah, so Jamie snuck in as a six seed. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do they have a run in them? I don't know. I mean, they played UNCW. It'll be just a little over a week um, ago. Once they play on Friday, they played them what last Thursday, the twenty fourth, uh, and lost two nothing on the road. I mean, they're inconsistent. There are times when they play really well and they beat up on some of the bad teams, and there are other times when they play the top teams in the conference and lose i mean they lost to delaware as well this year um on the road and the ca tournament looks like it is in delaware um or at least those matches are so uh i don't think so no not really but, i mean do you feel differently? Um, what they did last season was amazing defense and a solid offense and this year it seems like they kind of have neither Yeah, there's just some some inconsistency there. I think they're, they're yeah, and they have a great program in the right direction. It, the it'll future. be a solid CA program for years to yeah, come. Yeah, for sure. As uh, Joshua Walters is the coach, and same with Mensa. I mean, really, everything at Centera Park is a solid program. Lacrosse and the soccer's like, mm-hmm. is that the only two that play, only three that play there? 
Yeah. I think so. You got track, I guess, but that's yeah. not really it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, everything at Santerra Parks being is, is a solid program. Women's soccer will be good for years to come. They have good recruiting classes. But just this season, I think there's kind of – I just don't think they were as good as they thought they were going to be after last season's great CAA run. They could always go on a run. I mean, in a single elimination type of tournament, anything's possible, like really anything. But um, they, I don't see them getting past the first right. uh, Friday. Moving on That's to fair. volleyball. Now we're in um, – so close your eyes, audience, and picture yourself in the Sinclair Gymnasium inside of Godwin Hall. You smell that, kind of the oldness of Godwin. Um, you smell the savage natatorium across the way and just the pure chlorine. That's all I really had going for that. <laughs> Volleyball's been really good, though. <laughs> I like that. Some I nasty that smells. It's a, a great place. place to watch a match, then. It really is. Yeah, they're they're rolling. Yeah, what, since they won October six in a row 10, and only dropped one lost set. One set. One set. And that was after yeah, we think, were like, oh, what's going yeah, on? I really think that was just. So it was weird that those really both were home matches and they lost three one, but yeah, I, yeah, I think this team's on a poor path now. Like they're good, and I think they're showing why. I put on the outline: Is this the team we thought they were? I was channeling my inner. Um, what coach was that? Daryl Green, not Daryl Green. Dennis, I don't know. Dennis Green. We are who they thought they were. Green. Let him off the hook. I believe that is correct. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is the team we thought they were. I think those were just two weird sets. I mean, yeah, Towson's undefeated in CAA play. Um, but I, I think they're going to beat Towson in this upcoming match. That's a massive match Friday. Um, huge one for JMUC, yeah. regular season title chances. Um, and then they play Delaware on the road, who they also lost to. Delaware is not as good as Towson. So I think that's one that they've got a good chance to win this weekend as well. If they can get the Towson one on the road, then I think this team is really rolling and really doing great things. I think regardless, they're going to have a good chance when they go um, into the CAA tournament just because it's hosted at Hofstra. Hofstra's pretty competitive, but I still really feel like JMU on sort of that neutral Yeah, full prediction, JMU will be beat just Towson in straight sets. Yeah. I, wow. I really right, like we it. We'll come back to that. Um, I asked what prediction. has been the key to this domination – do you have anything that you've kind of keyed in on, or is it just kind of a culmination of everything? I think part of it is just, you know, one of the things that um, Lauren Steinbrecher does with the program is that she kind of keeps them focused on each match, makes sure that they have a fun time, enjoy themselves, and don't worry too much about certain defeats. Because I think when you see some collegiate programs and maybe they drop to a team or two, at home, you look at losing to Towson, really good team. The Delaware is not quite as good. They could easily sort of panic and be like, oh, God, like what's happening? Like maybe we're not playing as well as we want. I think the one thing that I've always noticed with volleyball, whether it's within a match or within, you know, a stretch of matches, is that they respond yeah. really well to playing poorly. Like if they do play poorly, I've never seen this JMU team in my time following the program play like horrible volleyball over a sustained period of time. They always seem to sort of, rally yeah. and, and play to their strengths. I agree. <laughs> that was that was sort of my um, my analysis without having watched <laughs> really any volleyball. But I mean, from following along and looking at the um, 
scores and things like that. It's, it seems like this is sort of a standard Lawrence Snybrecker program that just is consistent and they rally and yeah, respond I mean, to and negative. They have a well. solid, solid offensive attack with Sophia Davis, Briley Brindamore, Michaela White, mm-hmm. Danielle Smith, well, Danielle right. Nathan, and Sarah Martin. Four of which are a hundred have had, I can't talk right now, have 150 plus kills. Sarah Martin has 58 kills, but she has 98 points. So I'll leave that for what it means. Kind of fumbled through that one. Field hockey, one on one weekend. They're seven and nine overall. You said they were going to go 500. They have a tough road if they want to go 500. Delaware next up, or Delaware the last game of the season. Yeah, I was kind yeah. of banking on them beating Northeastern. So that would have been that would have been eight and eight, right? Yeah, and they would have beaten Towson to get to and 10 they would and have 10, lost to Delaware or ten and nine. No, nine and eight. Sorry, nine. And, yeah, I was counting wrong. They would have been. Yeah, they'd won those three. They would have been nine and eight. Lost to Delaware would have made it nine and nine. So now, probably more likely that they go seven and eleven or eight and ten. Um, but we shall see. Maybe they spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they've definitely been better this year, and I've I've been impressed by how they finished the season. I think they're very close to kind of taking that step again as a program to being on the fringe of being nationally ranked. I think they're just sort of yeah, they're such a young way team. There, but I do think they'll. Get I there. mean, I they really only. I think they only graduate out Miranda Riggs, who's like a one of their – I'm checking now to make sure I'm not making a fool out of myself. It looks like they've got some scenes. As I'm scrolling through. Yeah, never mind. I retract my statement. Not too, too many though. And like they've got some really key contributors that are under class. Yeah, I stand by what I said then. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> to all you out there who are who are and still with us in our trash other sports takes. i know you want to talk about some men's golf here give it to me oh, give it to me give me the load oh boy oh, <laughs> oh boy they won first out of 16 teams the intercollegiate at innisbrook they just took it to these people they're so good they have three victories is in that good five <laughs> tournaments their other results are a it's incredible. Their third, they have a third place finish and a fourth place finish, and then three victories, which is wild. So this is one of the one of the better teams. Wow, in the country. I don't want to go too too far, but they're one of the probably I would definitely top fifty. So I'm going a little bit out. But here's what I will say. Reading this recap, there were a lot of ranked teams in this field. JMU okay. was ranked number sixty one in the nation. They beat UCF okay. in this tournament, who was ranked sixteenth. Wow. They beat Houston, who was ranked 28th. I'm following. South Florida, who was 39th. Okay. Memphis was 49th. All right. Campbell was 62nd. And East Carolina was 68th. So they beat a bunch of top 70 teams. And I guess four of those are ranked ahead of JMU, including UCF, who's a top 16 team nationally. Oh. And um, yeah. Did you read the next sentence in the recap? And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, nobody finished within that's domination. Insane. So they just beat the crap out of these these teams after starting kind of slowly. And I don't know. I mean, that's that's really impressive to me. And a lot of those teams are AAC schools, so I don't want to start any rumors. But uh, <laughs> conference realignment, it is happening, people. No, but I mean they're awesome. Okay. And here's the best news, Jack. 
We have been added to the email list for have we mental really? health press releases. <laughs> I received a DM from Jason Craig today. He's like, hey, do you want to be on this list? And then he goes, I don't even care what you say. I'm adding you to the list. So we are added to the list, jmusportsnews at gmail.com. We are receiving updates on this team, which is going to go Yeah, so, so if you guys ever want to just folks. email us, you just uh, heard our email too. Yeah, and if it's not about JMU men's golf, I'm not responding to you, but you're welcome to email us. We respond I'm to everyone. Kidding. I will respond if you want to email us. You can respond. But, I mean, crazy. Just – I mean, this is – I don't want to say this is the best team since – when was the year the Patriots <laughs> went 18-0? But this is this is the best team since the Patriots went 18-1. Um, yeah, did. so maybe yeah, this is the time for you to uh... – you know, write a, a feature story on uh, that men's golf team since no one else is. Honestly, they definitely. Honestly, I gotta see if I can get some people on the. If phone. you're listening, Jason. <laughs> yeah, let's get what another DM. We or get you, you have our phone. email now. Also, also just I'll so everyone's to, yeah, listening and you can just hear how dated this podcast is. Juan Soto hit a two-run shot and the. Three, two. Oh, hell yeah. What's the score? The Nats are winning it all. And you know how oh, you didn't watch the beginning of the game. I really don't think anyone's still tuned in. We'll, we'll wrap up with this little tidbit because it was funny what Juan Soto did, and it needs to be said in a podcast. Alex Brigman in the first, when he hit his solo shot, he carried his bat all the way to first base. Oh, yeah. And then he tried oh, to hand it to the first base him. coach, and he accidentally dropped it. Yeah. And Juan Soto carried his to first base and dropped it at first. <laughs> Adam Eaton also homered in the top of the fifth. The, Man, the we unwritten play rules of baseball. We play loud by carrying a wooden <laughs> stick a little bit farther than is traditionally. Uh, okay, carries. so anything else out there that you Hell need to read? Yes. Any, that, uh, the people listening need to read anything like that? The, the, the weekly wrap-up? Um, yeah, neither have I. No, I haven't read that many things. I've been I've been a busy boy. I got to get a newsletter out at some point this week, which I will do with some CA tournament preview kind of stuff. And then I'm going to try to whip up a men's basketball preview and then a women's basketball oh, preview. Oh, yeah. We got to do a, a preview pod. Oh, wow. That's, I think they start next uh, week. Brian, if only we didn't have Brian on. Man, he's the reason we didn't have previews this week. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> They start It'll Wednesday, next so Tuesday, do, or even Wednesday. Tuesday, but, I should be able to. Oh. Even when I have to cover a basketball. So, Wednesday, but I think I'm free to. As Bennett rambles about Monday his next week's we'll schedule, um, for him. <laughs> hey, UVA's playing <laughs> for too, him. Man. We got we got um, hoops. Cool. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Oh wait, uh, follow us on Twitter at JMU Sports News. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us so you see us when we come out every week, um, mainly because we are different every week and we never really know what day. Crazy stuff. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. You got to tweet that from run. your uh, account for you. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just Damn kidding because you're behind. So, he doesn't even hit yeah, it. follow us on Twitter, Jamie <laughs> Sports News. Like us, subscribe to us, give us five stars on all wherever you find your podcasts. Um, like us on Facebook, just type in Jamie Sports News in the Facebook search bar. And lastly, you can find us on the interwebs, www.jmusportsnews.com for Bennett Conlin and his, um, 
and his ramblings of his week next week. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a wonderful, oh, wonderful rest of your Wednesday. I haven't said that one in a while. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.